Online, a very warm welcome to Catholic View on this Friday evening. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming up in today's broadcast, we'll be talking to Naniwe, the organizer of Prayer and March to End Violence Against Women and Children. But first, however, we take a look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. So do stay tuned. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. And in your headlines this Friday evening, all systems go fully suit to elections. The church in action to make the digital world safer for children. And Bishop describes growing ISIS presence in Somalia. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. We begin with church news. Jesus entrusted his sheep to Peter, the most sinful of the remaining 11 apostles, and invited him to shepherd the people of God with humility and love, despite his mistakes and sins. That was Pope Francis' message at Mass this Friday morning at the Casa Santa Marta. David Watkins reports from Vatican Radio. Pope Francis at Mass commented on the day's Gospel from John, in which the risen Jesus converses with Peter on the lake shore where he had first been called. The Pope said it was a calm, serene dialogue between friends and took place in the atmosphere of the resurrection. In that event, Jesus entrusts his sheep to Peter, asking him three times if he loved him. Jesus, the Pope said, chose the most sinful from among the apostles. The others escaped, but Peter denied him, and Jesus asked him, Do you love me more than these? The Holy Father said Jesus' choice to choose the most sinful of the remaining eleven apostles to shepherd the people of God with love makes us think. Do not shepherd with your head held high, he said, like a conqueror. No, shepherd with humility, with love, as Jesus did. This is the mission which Jesus gives to Peter, despite his sins and mistakes. Pope Francis then recalled how Peter denied Jesus before the high priest's servant and how Jesus looked at him in that moment, he who had just denied his Lord. But, he said, the apostle who is courageous in denying is capable also of bitter tears. After an entire life spent in service of the Lord, the Pope said, his life ended like his Lord's, on the cross, but he does not boast. Rather, Peter asks, please put me on the cross with my head down, so that at the very least it is seen that I am not the Lord, but a servant. This is what we can learn from this modest dialogue, he said. We hold our heads high for the dignity that God gives us, but we also lower our head, knowing that we are sinners and that the only Lord is Jesus. We are servants. 
More than 1.2 million Basutu are expected to cast their ballots in nearly 3,000 voting stations around the landlocked mountain kingdom. The country is going to elections barely after two years following a motion of no confidence passed by the National Assembly against Prime Minister Pakalita Musisili. This will be the third elections in five years. Father Chale is the Secretary General of the Lesotho Bishops Conference. Father Chale, I understand it's a public holiday today. Yes, it's a public holiday in preparation for the upcoming um, general elections tomorrow. And what's the mood like on the ground? No, if one or the people are ready for elections tomorrow, people are getting ready to go to the polling stations as soon as they are open at 7 a.m. tomorrow. They are closing at 5 p.m. After that time, then the counting will begin. So, however, if there are people who will, who will still be queuing around 5 p.m., they will be given, um, uh, uh, they will be given the chance to, to vote, to cast their vote. And immediately after, uh, the, uh, after people have cast their vote, then um, the, the, the counting will, will start. We have actually uh, invited in visa team uh, the delegation from Conference of South Africa joined the Indizam delegation. They are here for solidarity and most importantly they are here to observe their elections. Normally it is happening all around the the, the region that um, when any country within the region is um, having general elections, then Indizam team organizes all stakeholders, all the countries that are members of, of the visa. So they are here to observe the elections like international organizations, for example. We have um, AU people here and uh, FADAC people are here and so on. They, they are here for observation. Thank you so much and thanks for your support and then um, keep us in prayer so that uh, everything goes according to the plan. The Apostolic Administrator of Mogadishu says that ISIS is gaining recruits in Somalia because it pays better and therefore in the situation of Somalia's crisis, it is easy to find followers. Bishop Giorgio Bertin made his remarks following the Islamic State's first Somali suicide bombing, which took place on May 24th in Bosaso. The prelate told the Fides news agency that ISIS arrived in the East African nation in 2016 and that some members of the militant group Al-Shabaab, which is active in Somalia and Yemen, find ISIS attractive because they do not agree with the line of leadership or of clan rivalry. Intercommunal crimes in new conflict hotspots in the Central African Republic, CAR, have entered a new spiral and displaced more than 100,000 people in just two weeks. Mihika Ashraya has more. The frequency and brutality of attacks in Central African Republic have reached levels not seen since August 2014. That's according to Najat Roshti, UN Humanitarian Coordinator for the country. Here she is speaking to journalists in Geneva. Since the past three weeks, uh, the signs are very clear. Violence in the Central African Republic has uh, entered a new spiral of escalating conflict and the situation is quickly deteriorating. In the last two weeks alone, 
Over 100,000 people have been newly displaced. Families running for their life, leaving everything behind. More than 100 people have been killed and hundreds more have been wounded, Ms. Roshdi said. The voters of the Democratic Republic of the Congo should have gone to polls last November to choose their new head of state. However, presidential and parliamentary elections were not organized. And shortly afterwards, on December 19th, President Joseph Kabila's second and, according to the Constitution, final term expired. Under a political deal struck on New Year's Eve between Kabila's ruling coalition and the opposition, the delayed polls are supposed to take place in late 2017. In the meantime, the president has remained in office. On Sunday, the Electoral Commission, known as CENI, launched voter enrollment in Kinshasa, the Congo's capital of about 12 million people. And Kabila himself was the first to register. The process of registering the city's voters is expected to take about three months. On to other news, 800 million Internet users today are children. That's over a quarter of all the Internet users in the world. The so-called millennial generation is smart, fast and quick to master the tricks of the trade when it comes to digital technology. But children are also the most vulnerable to new forms of harm and abuse on the Internet, such as trolling, cyberbullying, sextortion and grooming for sexual exploitation. That's why a pioneering Congress on the fight against online child sexual exploitation and abuse is to be hosted by the Pontifical Gregorian University Center for Child Protection in October. Jesuit professor Hans Zollner, the president of the Center for Child Protection, spoke to Rome Reports about how the Congress entitled Child Dignity in the Digital World aims to provide an opportunity to exchange knowledge and good practice on the risks and prevention as children navigate this new digital world. We need to realize that the Internet is a very precious instrument uh, for communication, for uh, connecting people and whatsoever. But the Internet has brought also many, many risks. And one major risk uh, is uh, that concerning the abuse uh, of uh, minors on the Internet by the dissemination of uh, sexual images and videos and the use uh, and abuse of this instrument in social media also by uh, young people themselves. There is much uh, that is on the way and it has been developed. It is not so effective as it should be and the Internet providers know that um, and that's not their fault uh, in, in the first place because young people are, are very smart in dealing with this and going around uh, such uh, for example, filters. At least 2.7 million children live in care institutions around the world where there is a risk of long-term developmental problems. Data released by UN Children's Fund, UNICEF, indicates that the percentage of youngsters in care in Central and Eastern Europe as well as Central Asia is more than five times the global average. Children with disabilities and those from poor families make up the biggest share, says UNICEF's Leslie Miller. So unfortunately, in Eastern Europe and Central Asia, there's a kind of legacy of placing children in institutional care. This stems from a genuine belief 
that institutions were the best places for children, particularly children with disabilities or children from very vulnerable families. Parents were given the impression that they weren't capable of caring for these children on their own. And the reality is there's also a shortage of community-based services to help those parents manage on their own and keep children at home. So the forces tend to push parents to place their children in institutions thinking this is what's best for them. In some cases, the institutions proactively try to nurture that continuing bond with the parents, but often that's not possible. In many countries, these big institutions are located in particular parts of the country, so the parents don't even necessarily live close by. And many parents are living in poor circumstances and may not have the means to travel to visit their children. So what we see in many instances is those bonds between the parents and the child are broken because over time, the contact just doesn't happen. Significant work is going on to first of all, prevent families from being separated to begin with, so to build up that network of community services so parents don't feel they have to resort to institutions, but also to take children out of these institutional settings and find other alternatives for them, be it reunification with their families or foster care or other options that put them in a more family-like environment. And we have seen significant declines in a number of countries. In a speech at the White House on Thursday, U.S. President Donald Trump said that his country will withdraw from the Paris Climate Change Agreement. Environmental groups immediately condemned the decision, with President Trump also announcing that the U.S. will look to renegotiate the Paris Pact or perhaps broker a new deal. Charles Gibson reports from Washington. In a wide-ranging speech in the White House Rose Garden, President Trump spent almost 30 minutes railing against the terms of the original deal. The Paris Agreement handicaps the United States economy in order to win praise from the very foreign capitals and global activists that have long sought to gain wealth at our country's expense. Meanwhile, criticism poured in from environmentalists and Democrats with the architect of the Paris Pact, Barack Obama, decrying the absence of American leadership in a statement, but saying that cities, states and businesses will step up to protect the planet. Meanwhile, the American bishops have decried President Trump's decision, saying it will not honor the U.S. commitment to the Paris Agreement and is deeply troubling. Sean Patrick Lovett reports from Vatican Radio. In a statement released shortly after the president's announcement at the White House, Bishop Oscar Cantu, chairman of the United States Bishops Committee on International Justice and Peace, pointed out that the scriptures affirm the value of caring for creation and caring for each other in solidarity, and that the Paris Agreement is an international accord that promotes these values. He said that President Trump's decision will harm the people of the United States and the world, especially the poorest, most vulnerable communities. The statement also notes that the impacts of climate change are already being experienced in sea level rise, glacial melts, intensified storms and more frequent droughts. The statement continues, saying that the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, Pope Francis and the entire Catholic Church have consistently upheld the Paris Agreement as an important international mechanism to promote environmental stewardship and to encourage climate change mitigation. 
I can only hope, concludes Bishop Cantu, that the president will propose concrete ways to address global climate change and to promote that environmental stewardship. And finally, Pope Francis has published his prayer video for the month, asking others to join him in his intention for June, entitled "The Elimination of Arms Trade." It's an absurd contradiction. Hablar de paz, negociar la paz, y al mismo tiempo promover o permitir el comercio de armas. Francis says it's impossible to speak of peace while national leaders are promoting and participating in arms trade throughout the world. The Pope also asks if this war or that war really is a war to solve problems, or if it is a commercial war for selling weapons in illegal trade, so that the merchants of death get rich. The Pope specially prays for the innocent victims who are the targets of so much of this violence. Todos juntos por los responsables de las naciones para que se comprometan con decisión a poner fin al comercio de las armas que causa tantas víctimas inocentes. And that was a look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. You're still listening to Catholic View right here on Radio Veritas, and I'm Sheila Pirsch. Coming up next is our feature entitled Prayer and March to End Violence Against Women and Children. Miss Curvy Body SA has taken the initiative to organize a march with the intention to shed light, spread awareness, unite families and communities, and stand in solidarity with victims of violence and abuse along with their loved ones. Now, to find out more about this march due to take place tomorrow, the 3rd of June, I spoke to Miss Curvy Body SA representative and organizer of the event, Mrs. Naniwe Makula. We have the Unite March to Violence Against Women and Children because we believe that uh, it should all stem from the family unit and the religious leaders and the school children. So we are calling upon the community at large from the uncles at home, the fathers, the mothers, because largely this has been uh, stereotyped as women race, um, uh, marching against violence against themselves. So we're saying uh, all the children, all these girl children that have been uh, murdered and victimized come from a family unit with their fathers, uncles, and all of that. Yeah. I like the fact that you touched on that because if you look at, uh, at the statistics in South Africa as a whole, you find that mm-hmm. there's a high number of broken families. You find Absolutely. that there's a high number of teenage pregnancies, for example. Uh-huh. And you find that lots of children are being brought up by their grandparents who are already old uh-huh. and tired. And those kids are actually growing up by themselves on their own. Now, yeah. 
For me, based on what I've, I've been listening, what I've been observing, I would say that education begins at home. Once you give birth to a child, whether the father is not there or not, it's up to you as the parent of that child to educate that child. And to, that's, that's very true. And that's to let true. the child know that what I don't have at home, don't go and search for it outside. Don't go and search for it for a blesser to give you what I cannot give you. Learn to accept what you have and study uh -huh. to obtain what you want to obtain in life. That's true. And also, we cannot correct uh, the wrongs of uh, fathers being absent at home. But we need to acknowledge that uh, in their home system, they are uncles, as you say, they are grandparents, they are, they are brothers and all of that. So, the, you know, there's an old proverb that says uh, a child is raised by a village. So the unity is actually saying that village, that's meant to raise a child. Let's go back to that culture where we all stand up and take accountability and protect our own. We have engaged religious leaders from um, different faiths because uh, as African people, we know to call upon God when we need, when we need to and when, when the situation calls. So we're saying let's start with prayer. It's of no good going around howling with placards and not uh, starting with the basics. So yes, we've got uh, uh, religious leaders and uh, women's uh, leagues from different churches. And also, uh, because it's youth month, our, our march is on the 3rd of June, we have um, a lot of schools in Soweto who have committed to come and bring their parents as well. Students will be coming and bringing their parents. Um, so, yes, in that aspect, it is indeed a, a prayer and um, a unite march. Apart from, from the march itself, uh, which will, will, will be taking place on the 3rd of June. Uh, we also have programs that we are currently developing that will focus directly on the month of June as the youth month. But amongst others, we also have, um, uh, and, and, and it, it's interesting that people might find this odd, but uh, we have a pageant called Miss Curvy Body South Africa which is um, running throughout um, South Africa. We've had Gauteng top 10, Mpumalanga top 10, and we are going to other provinces. Now, uh, the, the issue of beauty pageants has always been said to not be so, uh, you know, people would say, no, but you're marginalizing us or you're stereotyping us. But the truth is, if you want to reach a certain market, you have to be able, you have to be able, if you want to capture a certain market, you have to be able to come closer to, to the platform where they would hear you and, and the platform that would attract your, your audience. So uh, that's one of the programs that we have that is running currently. Now, this is being organized by Miss Curvy Body SA. Talk to us yes. a little bit more about Miss Curvy Body SA. Miss Curvy Body SA is um, an organization focused on the wellness, and uh, the development and empowerment of women. Uh, we are very much uh, focused on self-actualization and being confident in, in who we are as African women and where we fit in the scale globally as women because we have found that we are caught all over <laughs> uh, trying to fit in 
in, in, in the whole stereotype of having to be a size zero to look good. We are saying you look good as you are. You don't need to apologize for being a woman. So we engage um, girls, children from an early age right up until the end. So we've got many programs that we do um, which focus on, on, on women. Now, speaking of the programs that you do focusing on women, when it comes to issues such as the ones that we've been faced with recently, um, violence against women and uh, rape, uh, abusive relationships, how do you mm-hmm. tackle these uh, topics with your members? You know, it starts the whole abuse cycle, and not all the time necessarily, but starts with issues of confidence. So as the moment you address um, women personally from an early age and, and equip them or at least give them the tools to be able to stand up and, and, and know that they are worthy and there are certain things they don't have to conform to to be seen as worthy by, by, by the society in general, but to know that they are enough and complete. Once you start with engaging people, young ladies, and sometimes even uh, well-matured uh, people, you know, is a way of uh, redeeming situations. So we deal, we, we, we tackle the situation with dealing one-on-one with uh, different kinds of situations, number one. And secondly, just to keep on running this program that emphasize on women being self-actualized and knowing that even if you have walked a mile of abuse, there's always a starting point. There's always a second chance. There's always a point where you can have a paradigm shift and see things differently. So we are very much pushing that card as uh, Miss Everybody South Africa. That's how we engage. I'm one of the persons that believes a match is good. It raises awareness. It uh, brings people together. But what about the root cause of the violence, the rapes, the abuse, the family members who abuse young girls and boys at home? What about the root cause of this? How do you deal with the root cause of all of this? How do we put an end? Absolutely. That's a good question. This is why we have uh, the reverence. This is why we have the churches, the parents and all that to start with them, to have, uh, to start with the parents and the front line of, of, uh, of, of these families, just to say that it starts with you taking care. It starts with, with you making sure that your child does not walk in at home with a weak or a week that you do not know how much it, it, it costs, or that costs thousands, and you know very well that they're unemployed, or you did not give them that money. So the, the way to, to uproot the scourge is going back to the families and engaging them and checking it. You take it back home. The problem cannot be um, solved outside of, of the family unit. This is why we're calling all the families and... and, and uh, and, and the, the religious leaders to say, let's, let's talk. And this is why we have a prayer. And it won't only be a prayer. We'll have uh, uh, community leaders addressing exactly that issue uh, that would uh, seek to take the responsibility back to the parents and, and the guardians and families. People can visit our Facebook page where people can visit. And also 
not only look up what we have as a up, but maybe also suggest what it is that they deem as um, relevant for for such. And we we are an organisation that works uh, very much closely to the community. We are very much in touch, so we would take that to to serious um, consideration. The website address is www.curvybody.co.za. And this has been your Friday's edition of Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Birch for Radio Veritas. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email, Sheila at radioveritas.co.za. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again on Tuesday evening at the same time. Until then, do have a blessed weekend. God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Birch.